Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. You know, the Bible says that I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of God. I like that. Do you know I've been praying for you? And I've been praying that every time the church doors are open, that you are glad that it's time to get out of bed that you're glad that it's time to get dressed, that you are glad that it's time to get in your car and get all those wonderful little children dressed and fed and into the house of God. They said, I was glad when I came to the house of God. I reckon that is a revived heart right there. Amen. Good to be with you today. I want to get straight into this. I've called this message, It's In Your Hand. And I want to take a look today at a young life. His name is David. At at a very tender and young age, this boy that was facing things and facing something that was really beyond his years and his experience. He, He looked as though he was too young to fight. This young man at the age of 30 became a king. But today I want to look at the progression of a young life. I want to take a look at some things in a very um, direct way today that I hope, that I hope will encourage and give us instruction and inspire us to keep going strong in God. And so where we're going to pick it up in this story today is that the Philistines had gathered And they'd gathered in a big way. The forces had gathered against Israel. And it's never an easy thing when anything gathers around about your life to to, uh, weaken your life or to weaken your faith. And the story here that in this moment is that the Philistines had occupied one hill and the Israelites had gathered on another hill and there was this valley that was in between them. And of course, you know the story well, this nine foot of a man, this Goliath was his name, a champion for the Philistines. He was their hero. He was the one that they had all the confidence in the world in that no matter who would come up against them, Goliath would take the enemy out. This Goliath wearing a bronze helmet, he's got armor that is of bronze, he's got a spear, he's got a shield. And he is ready to fight. He's in fighting mode. He's got a fighting attitude, a fighting spirit, and his body could back it up as well. The sight of him alone was intimidating. The sight of him was confronting. And with all of his big talk and all of his boasting, he challenges and he defies the ranks of Israel. In his mind, he's got this. In his mind, he will be the victor. It's a done deal already. And he is in defiance to anyone at all, particularly, particularly the Israelites. But the interesting thing is that the Israelites run from the battle. They don't want to know about it. They don't want to enter that place. They see the side of Goliath. They've heard about Goliath. And the Israelites, they run from the battle. David, however, this young boy, and he would have been in his teenage years. There's a bit of, you know, some say he was 15, some would say he was 17 or somewhere in between. Irrespective, this young David was in his teenage years. And David leaves the sheep that he was looking after for his father. He's looking after his father's sheep 
and David goes to the battle lines and it's there that this Goliath sees this young teenage boy and I want you to, I want to pick it up in verse 26 of chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. Keeping in mind this young teenage boy. These are David's words. And he says this, who is this? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? I like it right there. We could stop right there and go into an amazing place of saying, who will stand against the plans of God in my life? This uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God. And with those words, again, coming out of young David's mouth, this Philistine in all of his arrogance moves closer to David. And again, we hear this kind of talk coming out of David's mouth. In verse 45 of the same chapter, 1 Samuel 17, 45, And David again says this to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you, Goliath, have defied. What a perspective! What an attitude. And then David goes on to say that God will deliver you, Goliath, into our hands today. And the scripture tells us that David runs to the battle lines. Now, I'm not sure what you're like when there's a battle, when there's a fight, when there's an argument, when there's tension, when there's trouble, when there's conflict, but everything in me wants to retreat. I hate battles. I don't like it and I'll avoid it wherever I can. But there are some fights that are worth entering. There are some battles that are worth entering whenever the enemy comes to try to take away your destiny and take away your future and take away the future and destiny of your children. That's a fight I will go to. Absolutely. And David is not put off one bit. In fact, he runs to it. And as I read this, and we know this story, we've all read about David and Goliath in our probably our Sunday school days, and we teach that to our children and our grandchildren. But I, you know, as I read it with probably a renewed perspective, I thought, where does this come from? Where does this kind of talk come from? Is this just youthful bravado thinking he's invincible, I can do anything and, you know, nobody can touch me? Is this just youthful bravado? But where did David's confidence and courage and perspective come from this level of knowing that you will be delivered into our hands? And it's that that I want to give a little bit of time and focus and attention to today. If you came on Sunday night, 
Um, I, I spoke about what I feel God has spoken to me about this year, that we're going to remove the limits, that the limitations that have been there around our lives are, are lifting this year. And that might look different from one person to the next in this room. When you say, you know, limitations are going, that a limitation to you may not necessarily be a limitation to me. But no matter what that is to you, I hope this year that you can say, you know, those things are behind me. I will not carry them into my future. And hopefully as we go through this today and we start to open up these thoughts today, that this will be the pathway that you find yourself on. And so... The story here and the perspective is this, that while everyone else, Israel, is looking at a giant of an issue here. I mean, this is a giant of a problem right here. And of course, this giant's name is Goliath. The name enough says it all. But David, young David, teenage David, is already living in a place of victory before he's gone to the battle, before he has dealt with Goliath, before he throws the first stone, David is already in a place of victory. And while everyone else is retreating in defeat, David is announcing the outcome. And so maybe... One of the things that we can do to remove the limits this year, and I think that one of the ways, which is a big way, is having the right focus and having the right perspective. You see, David was seeing something that Israel was missing. David was already operating in a right focus, and it reminded me as I thought about that and read about that, it reminded me of the woman in Kings. The woman had nothing in her house. Her house was empty, barren. She was in a place of destitution and desperation. And that's what she spoke about. She told her family that. She told her children that. She was telling herself that. And all she saw was an empty house. And then thank God the voice of God came along. The voice of God came along in the form of a prophet Elisha. And he's not interested one bit about what she doesn't have, but he says to her, tell me what you do have. Tell me what you do have. Tell me what you do have in your house. And we know her first response and she says, well, I've actually got nothing. And as Israel looked at Goliath, they saw nothing but defeat. And you see these two perspectives will have results and outcomes. But the results and outcomes will be vastly different depending on how we're looking at it. Three things that I saw with David initially is number one, he had a right confession. David had a right confession. He secondly had a right perspective. And thirdly, he has something in his hand which, let me draw attention to, did not seem enough to take out a Goliath. He has a sling and a stone. David goes to the brook. He picks up the five small, uh, smooth stones from the brook and he places those stones inside his little pouch and bag that he's got. 
And with that, David runs to the battle lines to meet Goliath, takes out a stone out of his bag, puts it in the sling and fires that stone straight to the Philistine and Goliath falls on the ground face down. And then David comes along with Goliath's sword and finishes Goliath off. In 1 Samuel 17 verse 50, it says that David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling, with a stone, without a sword in his hand, and he struck him down and the Philistine was dead. And the reason that I've chosen this is because Sometimes we think we've don't, we don't have enough. Sometimes we think what we've got will never be enough to get me over, to get me across, to get me in, to get me where God has spoken to me about. And I think there are some relevant things that I want to touch on. David, we know, had dealt with lion and a bear before he got to the nine-foot giant. And you and I may not be dealing with lions and bears and goliaths and giants today, but I tell you what, there are many in this room that have had to deal with the giant of disease or the, uh, the giant of a loss of a job and the lack of finances brought to your home. Many of us have had to deal with a giant that has found its way without you putting out the welcome mat into your home, but nonetheless, that giant entered your house. Some of us have had to overcome some painful pasts and wondered whether we've got the courage and the future to go, uh, confidence to go into our futures. See, giants come in all shapes, sizes, seasons and times and experiences. But what I wanna leave you with today is this, that the size of the giant and the intimidation of any giant, no matter what name it has, is not the issue. It's not the main issue. And yet we tend to give time, meditation, conversation, meditation over the size of the giant instead of the size of our God. And I want us today to focus on this what is in us, who is for us, what has God spoken over us, what is in your heart today, what is in your hand today, what is in the Word of God for you today, because whatever God has given you, it's enough to turn your story around. You see, when God spoke to me about removing the limits, I knew I knew where he wanted me to go this year. I knew exactly, he, I was on the Sunshine Coast and I go for a walk along this particular path and God began to speak to me about removing the limits. And as he spoke to me, I knew exactly where he wanted me to go this year. And I gotta say in all honesty, it had nothing to do with a problem. It had nothing to do with the past. It had nothing to do with the situation. It had nothing to do with a hindrance. It had nothing to do with an obstacle. It had nothing to do with deficiency. 
It had nothing to do with anybody. It had everything to do with what was already in me. And the reason that I've used David today as our example is because he was young. And I would have thought inexperienced with not a lot of life under his belt, not a lot to draw from. This young shepherd boy doing the menial, the mundane, the uninteresting. I mean, if I had to sit out in a hot desert somewhere watching sheep all day, lock me up right there. I mean, it's not overly inspiring. And for all the shepherds in the room, if I have offended you, I deeply apologize. I lived on a farm for two years, riding a motorbike, rounding up those sheep. Can you picture it right now? I mean, really. You know, smelling of sheep dung and stuff that they drench the sheep with and watching things get chopped off. And, you know, it was inspiring. If you see me now in makeup and hair done, go the opposite. I lived in jeans and boots and T-shirts and a hat and I loved it. But if I had to do that all of my life, it seemed routine, it seemed minding sheep. And yet I choose David as an example because it had nothing, where we are today has nothing to do with our age. It has nothing to do with whether we are young or whether we are old. It has nothing to do whether we go to a workplace or we work at home. In fact, his young age actually left me without an excuse. That if so much could develop in a young age, then my goodness, what could happen with people like you and I that may be beyond those teenage years? That we've had more experience at life, that we've got more at our disposal, that a deeper well we've got to draw upon, that our experiences and what we've learned by them are richer than David would have had the opportunity in just a few years on this earth. And I thought that David's life was worth interesting because it inspired me not to waste what I've been through. It inspired me to learn life's lessons and to learn them well in God. Last Sunday night, I used my, I want to impress you with this, my little Latin sentence, my only one that I know. I love it. I use it a lot just so you can say, wow, she speaks Latin. <laughs> Solvitus ambulando come dieo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Now, do you know what it means? None of you were listening last Sunday night. It means it is solved by walking with God. That's what it means. It is solved by walking with God. David's confession. David's confession 1 Samuel 17, verse 37. David's confession is this, that the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this 
Philistine. David's confession wasn't coming from a nowhere place with no substance and no foundation to it. David's confession was coming out of a testimony and his previous victories. And I would suggest to you that while David was out looking after those sheep that don't do a lot other than sleep, I mean, eat and mm, do the thing. They don't do a lot. But I would suggest to you that while David was out doing the ordinary, the sheep mining, the daily things, that somewhere in David there was a confession that was developing within him that nobody else would have noticed. The inner confession can be growing and strengthening while we're driving our cars, while we're standing at the sink, while we're doing the ordinary, while we're doing the mundane, while we're doing the menial that inner voice within us can be growing stronger and not weaker with the events of our lives. See, outwardly, maybe no one will ever notice that about you. Maybe no one will ever notice that, that inner confession in you is actually getting deeper and stronger And no one will notice that until the lion comes along. You won't know how much you've grown and deepened with that inner confession until the bear shows up. You won't know how much that inner confession has developed in you until Goliath turns up. And by all appearances of all the stuff that's going on in your life, Just when it looked like you would collapse, you would fall, you would run, you would give up, you would grow weary, you were depressed, you would, I don't want to know about this, I'm done, I'm finished, I'm out, I'm gone. And yet instead of caving in, there was an inner confession that was rising and developing that isn't phony that isn't facade, that isn't fake, but it comes from a real place of strength and peace. Something in you has grown. And it's that inner confession of faith. And when I say that, I'm talking real faith, not pretend faith. I'm talking real faith. You see, our addresses changed, my address changed. And this is a very real thing to me right now because I am in the process of changing addresses. I mean, seriously, 12 years of dust in cupboards. Unbelievable. My life is starting to be surrounded by cardboard packing boxes. Thank you, my friend down the front who keeps supplying me with cardboard boxes. But I'm not referring to our house address or our street, our neighborhood, but I am referring to the place where you now live once you accepted Jesus as Lord of your life. Do you know your address changed that day? On that day, your name was written, the Bible tells us, in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know what that name is. I've thought about that. I thought that day 
in 70 Sallow Street, Alexandra Hills, was my, my residential address. On that timber floor when I knelt and, and asked Jesus to come and be Lord of my life without fully knowing what that meant. But that day, I didn't know what name Jesus wrote in his book. Was it Anne? Was it Anne Patricia Graham? Was it Anne Patricia, my maiden name? Was it, what was it? Or was it a new name? Has he given us a new name? I just hope he spells Anne with an E. Because <laughs> my mother said, Anne, you are, you're Anne with an E. Because I took the E off because I thought A-double-N was better. I don't know what name he writes in his book, but I do know that that day when you accepted Jesus as Lord, your address changed. You became a citizen of heaven. You're not just on the Australian electoral roll. You became a citizen of heaven. That day you were seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That day you became one of his Sons or daughters, that day you became his representative on planet earth. It matters what we do. It matters how we grow. And on that day, a journey began of transformation. I would love it if on the day that we get saved, that there would be this immediate transformation and I become Christ-like that I'd never get angry, that I'd never be bitter, that I'd never be unforgiving, that all of my words were disciplined and I only say the things of God, that I was kind and loyal and all that. I wish there was an immediate transformation. But there's not. And so we go on a journey of transformation, of learning His sayings, of learning His words, of learning His perspectives, of allowing the desires of God to grow within us. And the greatest revelation to all of us is that we, if we would know that we are already seated, that we're not waiting to be seated, we're already seated. The cross, what Jesus did on the cross, He positioned us to be seated with him. The greatest revelation you could have is to know it is finished. It is finished. I don't need to find and strive and grasp for victory somewhere. I don't need to beg and plead and cry for victory. I need to know what was done at the cross. I need to know the power of the blood of Jesus. I need to know the power of His body as it hung on that cross. I need to know that He's already given me victory. And this is a long time before the cross. And I wonder if David had a God revelation before Jesus even came. He could never have known Jesus would come and do what He did. But somehow he knew a victory in God at a young age. And yet David grew under an inferior covenant and an inferior law. And the Bible tells us that you and I today, that we live and breathe under a better covenant and a better law and better promises. And church, I want to say these simple words and I 
I hope my communication has been okay, but I want you to know what's in your hand already. I want you to know what's in your heart already. I want you to know what's in your mouth already. I want you to know what God has already done for you. You know, there was a time when everyone came to church with a Bible. For those of you that are around my age and which is young, say yes, thank you. A few more amens would have been helpful right there. But there was a time when everyone came with a Bible and a notebook. And you know, I, maybe it's just the era I grew up in. I still kind of prefer that, probably because it's more familiar territory to me. But these days we come to church probably with a phone or an iPad or irrespective of how God's Word comes to you. Let's never forget His Word. John 1.1 says that in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Before you came to earth, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So we can't separate the two. In John 1.14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's referring to Jesus. Jesus came in the flesh. He was the Word in the flesh. And so let's just be reminded today that everything started with Him, continues in Him, and will end with Him. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So what do we find outside of Him? Not much. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning and He is the end. So when God began to speak to me about removing the limits this year, It made a whole bunch of sense to me that if Jesus was and is the living Word and He dwelt among us, and if His Word is still alive and active just as it always has been, then His sayings need to get from the pages of my Bible to being written upon my heart, to renewing my mind, transforming my behaviour and me speaking about the things of God. And when the lion and the bear and the Goliath comes along, it's saying, you might come at me with that, but I am already in a place of victory. And I come at you because the Name of God is on me and His sayings are within me. And if we can go on any kind of journey this year, let's go on a a journey with letting the sayings of God start to be outworked in our life. This is not automatic. I wish God just did it automatically. This is part of our walk with Him, very much a part of our walk with Him. So in my prayer, desire, goal, perspective this year is that our prayers, they become our praise reports this this year. That you don't even have to pray about it anymore. 
that there's not a perpetual cycle of praying and praying and praying and praying, but that your prayer becomes a place of praise this year. And that the bears and the lions and the Goliaths will not arise a second time because I know my place and I know my position. I pray this year for your lives that there'll be countless, numerous amens that will come out of your place. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know without a shadow of doubt of the greater one and my agreement is in Him. My agreement is not with the lion. My agreement is not with the bear. My agreement is not with the Goliath. My agreement is in God. And I pray this year that our inner confession will not be fake. It'll not be phony. It'll not be weak. It'll not be just facade but that our inner confession will be greater is He that is in me than anything else in this world. That greater is He that is in me. It might've come dressed like a lion. It might've come dressed like a bear. It might've come dressed like a giant, but my inner confession is growing and growing and growing and growing and developing. greater is He that is in me than he that is in this world. I don't know what your lion and bear and Goliath look like, but I do know the potential in us. And I don't want us to overlook that potential. I don't want us to miss this pathway that we're on. Because I tell you what, things can turn and change faster than you think. I've run out of time, but I wish I had more. I've learned a little more about the timing of God and I can't go there right now because that screen is telling me I'm over. Done, she's finished, take her off. But before I go, I want you to make a commitment to God this year that your inner confession will grow based upon the sayings of God. And I tell you what, you won't know yourself in a short space of time. Amen. Amen.